What about you? Are you a doubter? Let me ask you some questions and let's find out. So do you think the Giants will win the pennant this year? Hmm, sounds like a little uncertainty there. Okay, how about the Niners? Do you think they're going to have a good season? Uh, maybe one diehard fan there. Everybody else kind of groans. Not so sure, huh? Why? Well, maybe things aren't going so well for them right now. If we had more proof, maybe we'd be more certain about what we think is going to happen. So what do you think about the Warriors? Do you think they're going to go all the way? Yeah. Now why are we so confident about that? Well, we see some evidence. We see some facts. They're doing really well. So then it's easy to be certain and not doubt. Well, let's leave the sports world and let's get to the real world of our everyday lives. Are you going to have a good year? Hmm. You might say, I hope so. But you never know what might come up with finances and your job or health or schooling or whatever plans you have. So while you may hope things are going to go well, there may be a little uncertainty if they actually will. So maybe we are doubters. The dictionary definition of doubt is this. It's a feeling of uncertainty about the truth, reality, or the nature of something. Some uncertainty. Well, what can reverse uncertainty? What can give us some faith, some hope? It's certainty, facts, reality, the truth. Now, whether or not we doubt anything about our sports teams, it's true we have doubts in life about other things. And that doubt sometimes can create a lot of difficulty can result in a lot of other things in our life. Wouldn't it be great if we could just take care of the doubt? If we could blow it up, blow it away? Well, this morning, let's do that. I want to talk about doubt busters. Things that will help get rid of the doubts that we have in our life. And it all comes through what we call Christian education. Now, I know when we talk about education, we usually think of things like our formal schools. And then immediately, we start to think of our children and young people. But I want to show you today that Christian education, which is really just learning about Jesus, is something that has value for all of us. Now, here at Apostles, we're very blessed with a variety of of Christian education, learning about Jesus, programs. From our part-time programs like Vacation Bible School and Sunshine Station and Christmas and Easter for Kids and, and Bible Camp, all of those are displayed out there this morning for you to look at, to things like our catechism, uh, formal instruction of our junior high kids, to our elementary school and now our high school. We have wonderful programs here. 
But they're not just programs for the kids. We have programs for the adults, too. Our adult Bible classes, our, our reading resources in our bookstore, and, and the devotions that we have before we start any of our committee meetings. That's all Christian education, learning about Jesus. Now this year at Apostles, we are recognizing that this is our 50th anniversary. And we're celebrating it under the theme, 50 Years of Grace. Remember, rejoice, renew. And today I'd like to use those three key words as a way for us to focus our attention on Christian education, learning about Jesus, the value of that for all of us. And I want to do that by starting out by taking you back to the scriptures, to an event that happened in the lives of the disciples just a few weeks after Jesus was raised from the dead, a few weeks after what we saw on the video with Jesus appearing to Thomas. The disciples had gone back to regular life now, everyday living. There they, out, uh, there they are, out on the sea, on a boat, doing their thing when they have a dramatic change in their life as Jesus comes to them and teaches them. Listen to this probably familiar account about Jesus appearing to his disciples. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was John, who was writing this, said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Remember, rejoice, renew. That's what was going on in this event in the lives of the disciples. Let's use that as three main points for us this morning to consider the value of Christian education, learning about Jesus. Remember. Remember? That's what Jesus was getting Peter to do in that little discussion they had after breakfast. Remember, Peter? Remember Peter. That's the message for us. Peter had a problem. And his problem could be summarized with just two little words. First one, self. Peter had a problem, and it was his self. You see, Peter was kind of a boastful man. Peter was somebody who sure liked to rely on his ability and, and think a lot about himself. Jesus, three questions to him. Peter, do you, Simon, do you love me? We're all a reflection about Peter's self. Starting with just the name that Jesus used. Jesus didn't call him Peter. He called him Simon. Now, Peter was a name that Jesus had given to Peter after he made a bold profession of faith. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, I'm going to call you Rock, Peter, from now on, because of the rock, the truth, the solid truth of that profession. But now in this dialogue, he calls him Simon, which I had read once meant sand. You're no longer a rock. You're sand. Jesus addressed three questions to him. Do you truly love me? Three times because he was getting Peter to remember what you did. Remember how you boasted about how you would never deny me? How you said, even if everybody else runs away, I never will, Lord. I told you you would, and you did. Because you rely on yourself. That was Peter's problem just relying on his own strength. To rely on our own strength, on ourself, that's uncertainty, doubt. Because our self is weak. Our self is easily misled. Our self gets us into trouble. And so it's more than really a problem. It's a danger. And the danger is that leads to sin. And that's what Peter did when he denied knowing Jesus. 
He was more concerned about self. I'm going to get into trouble. I'll be hurt. And not trusting that God would help him. When we, whenever we put self above God, whether it's self-interest or self-reliance, we're breaking the first commandment. We're not fearing, trusting, and loving in God above all things because we're thinking only about self. Remember, remember Peter because we're just like him. But there is good news also in this dialogue. There was a solution that Jesus gave him for his problem. That solution was Jesus himself. Because Jesus' self replaces our self. Our self is weak, so there's nothing we can do about it. We can't become strong because we're weak. But Jesus gives us his self his perfect self, his righteousness, his sinlessness that God simply gives to us through faith in Jesus. The punishment, the result that we deserve for our weaknesses and our sin, that Jesus took too. He exchanged with us his perfection to take upon himself our disobedience so he would be punished and we would not. We will be forgiven and accepted and blessed by God forever. Now, I'm sure you all know that. Why am I so sure of that? Because you've heard it before. That's what God tells us. Where does God tell us that? In his word. And God, the Holy Spirit, uses that word to convince our hearts and our minds this is the truth. So you see, that's what will bust the doubts. The truth. The truth that's in God's word. The truth that reveals to us about ourselves and about who he is and what he does. So the solution for ourself is to hear and believe the word. Jesus said, blessed are they who hear God's word and believe it. We're blessed when we listen to God and know about him. Peter certainly was. That little dialogue with Jesus at that breakfast were words, were, were times of reassurance for him. He knew now he's forgiven and accepted by the man that he denied. He's not going to be rejected. Jesus demonstrated that to him as he called them to come to him as he provided a breakfast for them and a great catch of fish, as he dialogued with them and reassured them of their place in his kingdom. Hear and believe. Remember who you are and who Jesus is. Now, have you ever thought or said this? I've got the same problem. Right, you're having some problem with your computer and you tell somebody and they maybe say, you know what, I've got the same problem. Or maybe you have some kind of physical ailment and you kind of complain about it to someone and they say, yeah, I've got the same problem. Well, as we remember Peter, we've got to say, I've got the same problem. A sinful, weak, misguided self that falls into sin. The 
But the good news is we have the same solution that Peter has because we have Jesus who catches us in our fall and who restores us with forgiveness and love. That's a truth for everyday living. For all of the doubts and all of the uncertainties that we'll experience in life, here is the thing that busts them all. Jesus and his love, acceptance, and blessing of us. So what do we do? Hear and believe. Invest time in God's word. Now when I use that word invest, oftentimes we maybe think of investing money, right? If we want to save money, we don't just take it and stick it in a drawer or stick it under our pillow. We want to invest it in something where it's going to grow so that later there will be more of it there to help us in our needs. Now, if you don't do that, if you simply stick it in a drawer, it isn't going to grow. And so you may not have what you need later. Likewise, if you just tuck it away, you might just forget about it and not know what you have. That's kind of like me with my investments. My wife invests it all. I don't know what I have, but I know I can go to the ATM and get 20 bucks out, so I'm okay. But to have that investment for when you need it later and it's grown so that you can use it, that's the same thing we want to do with our spiritual lives. Invest time in God's word and, and build up your faith so that when you need it, and you will need it, you have it. Remember, this anniversary year is not a time for us to look back and remember all the wonderful things that we've accomplished, but to remember who we are and what God has done for us so that we grow. There will be a wonderful return on that investment. One of those things is the joy that comes from knowing more of God. Rejoice. This anniversary time is a time for us to rejoice. And that simply means praising God. When Peter found out or realized that it was the Lord over there on the shore, did you see what he did? He just jumped right in the water and swam to shore. He didn't go, oh, wow, it's Jesus over there. Well, you know, I hope we get to him later. I hope he'll stick around, but we got to take care of all these fish. No, he jumps right in the water. He didn't stop and think, oh, how am I going to get there? Or, boy, if I go in that water, it's kind of cold, and my clothes are going to be all wet. He just jumps right in and swims. Why? Because he's filled with such joy. No matter what the trouble or the circumstance might be, there was joy over being with Jesus. A few years later, Peter will write these words about joy. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith 
are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter knew about hardships. He knew about difficulties. But he knew the truth that would bust the doubts. He knew his Savior lived, died, and lives again for him. So despite whatever trouble would come, he could rejoice, praising God. We praise God as just we are with Jesus. Peter's quick response was his response of joy. Now, maybe you're a fan of a particular team. And, you know, someday your dream might be, like mine, to go and watch your favorite football team. Or, or it might be to, to watch and, and be there with your basketball team or whatever it is. Fans love to be there with their teams. And the teams love it when they're there. Well, we love to be with Jesus. And this is how we do it. When we worship and gather around his word. There is no greater honor than to listen to Jesus and his word and be blessed. Now, I don't know exactly what was going on at this breakfast with Jesus. It probably was just more of a Bible breakfast than it was a worship service. But it was a way for them to rejoice, to be with Jesus, and to be filled with his word. So let me ask you, reflecting back on the words we heard from Moses earlier in the service, do you love the Lord? Do you honor the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind? Is that what is on your lips and on your mind? Or is it maybe a little more of this every day? You know, I've got troubles. Got troubles. I've got troubles. I have troubles doing math. Okay. So the kids here in the school, you know, they're supposed to have their homework checked by their parents at night. My kids in second and fourth grade will not come to me with their math because I have trouble with numbers. Well, the other day, my uh, fourth grader forgot to have his math checked by mom. And she was gone to work, so dad had to do it. And he was fearful. I said, don't worry. So I take out a calculator. And he goes, Dad, we're not supposed to use calculators. I said, that's a rule for kids, not for dads. <laughs> so I admit, I have trouble. I have trouble with numbers. But I have a pretty good f way with formulas that are spiritual. Here's what I mean. Troubles create doubts. And doubts create fear and unthankfulness. And that leads to despair. Those are praise busters. That's what takes the joy out of life. Here's a better formula. When we have Jesus and his word that gives us faith, that results in praise. And that praise gives us hope. That is the doubt buster. So whatever it is that goes on in your life that you have troubles about, and I know we all have troubles, when you hear the word, it gives you that joy and confidence again. I know, I've seen it. In your lives, when you have experienced difficulties, you bring the word to people, and then there's joy and confidence again. 
Okay, but life isn't all filled with troubles. There are some triumphs too, right? There's things that go well. We heard Moses before remind us about passing God's word on. Right after those verses, he continued. He said, you know, so when you get in that land that's flowing with milk and honey and things are going really well for you, don't forget about God. Because now you're going to start to think, look what I've accomplished. And look at all the things I have. All of a sudden, your need for God is diminished, you think. So even in our triumphs, we need to remember to praise God for that blessing. Now, how can we be reminded of that? From the Word. Get into the Word so that your heart will be filled with joy and thankfulness. Now, have you ever had some life-changing event in your life? Something that's happened that's been very influential? You know, we can probably find some big one-time events that have happened. But more so, the things that have been really influential in our lives are things that have happened over a period of time. When I look back at my life and my spiritual life, what's been very influential for me has been time in the Word. We were a family that always went to church every Sunday. We were kids in Sunday school every Sunday. That's what formed me. And then in high school, I had the opportunity to go to a Lutheran high school. And that's what really helped to change me and brought me to where I am today. My point is, being in the Word can be very influential and life-changing. That's one of the results that comes when we remember and then rejoice. It's the opportunity for us to be renewed and to do some renewing. We're talking about celebrating an anniversary. What do people do when they celebrate an anniversary? They reflect back, right? They remember things. And then they're happy and they rejoice because of, let's say, a wedding, with, with whom they have as, as their spouse for many years. But it's also, it's also an opportunity to renew, to renew a commitment of love. And that's what this year of celebration is for us, an opportunity to renew our commitment to love the Lord. That's what Jesus was getting Peter to do with those questions. By the way, when Jesus asked Peter those questions, there was a little difference in the question and answer over one word. Jesus said to him, Peter, do you truly love me? Jesus was using a word that we sometimes hear, agape love. It was a kind of love that referred to self-sacrifice and commitment. But Peter answered back all three times with a different word, a word that meant, I have a strong affection. I don't have that total commitment and dedication and selflessness like you want. You see, Peter knew himself now. He knew his weakness and confessed that to God. But what did Jesus do after each time? He didn't say, well, Peter, that's not good enough. No, he accepted. He accepted his confession and said, yes, Peter, now you are ready. Go feed and go tend to my sheep. This is a time for us to renew our love for the Lord and also a time to renew our commitment to serve him. He told Peter to go and feed and to lead, to take that gospel message of forgiveness and to teach it to others, to children and to adults. 
That's the renewal that we want to make this year as we remember and rejoice in God's 50 years of grace to us in Christian education. It's a time for us to say, let's love and let's serve the Lord. Let's remember Jesus and his word and rejoice in it because that's what will bust the doubts we have. That's the value of Christian education, learning about Jesus for everyone. Amen.